I'll start with my big takeaway for today, and that is to keep good records. This is something that you should be doing anyway, even if there was no tax time. Keeping good rent, uh, records on your finances lets you know how your Airbnb portfolio is performing. You found the Real Estate Law Podcast. Because real estate is more than just pretty pictures, and law goes well beyond the paperwork and courtroom arguments. If you're a real estate professional or looking to build real estate expertise, then welcome to the conversation and discover more at realestatelawpodcast.com. Welcome to the Real Estate Law Podcast. My name is Jason Muth, and we're here once again with real estate attorney, real estate broker, Rory Gill from Next Home Title Town Real Estate and Urban Village Legal here in Boston. Yeah, Jason, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, these intros are just tough, huh? Like, especially on video, like you could see the awkward pauses. Yeah, but um, I'm happy. It's uh, it's tax time. It's that wonderful time of year that we get to uh, send off our 1099s, complete our 1120s, and then our 1040s. It's uh, it's a wonderful time of the year. So 1099 plus 1140s plus W2. If you add it all up, what's that? About two, three thousand. I don't know what I'm doing the math on, but yeah, taxes is high on the list of things that we should be talking about this time of year. Uh, we're all receiving our tax forms. Um, when you're listening to this or watching it, uh, maybe it's uh, before tax time uh, or maybe it's after tax time, but you know, these tips should still be helpful to you. Uh, we're talking specifically about uh, short-term rentals, Airbnb properties. Um, you know, Airbnb has kind of become the verb, hasn't it? Like, yeah, in drafting what I was going to say, I keep trying to force myself to say short-term rentals because that's the more correct, more encompassing term. But yes, mm -hmm. I just reduced down to Airbnb being a house. Um, right. So it's like Googling something on Bing, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just like just like that. Yeah, we Airbnb'd it on Verbo. Um, yeah. Sorry, this this podcast not sponsored by Verbo today, um, but we do. But we have... do. We, we do love Verbo. I mean, like you know, we we as it's it's very well known that you know we have short term rentals ourselves, and we get tons of bookings on Verbo uh, and on Airbnb. So you know, right, so so next week's platforms. podcast will be sponsored by Verbo. By Verbo, okay, yeah. So, but the tax tips are going to be the same because it's short term rentals, although. I will say taxes are handled differently by those two platforms. It's a whole separate conversation, you know. Sure, and that's a, that's a different tax. And I guess if we want to be yeah. precise, I'm talking about, we're going to talk today about income tax tips for um, Airbnb owners because we could have another whole thing about um, property taxes and about mm -hmm. um, boarding taxes and state taxes that go along with um, running a short-term rental because why hit you with one form of tax when they can get you with a whole, a whole series? But this time of year, this is income tax time. Um, mm -hmm. And for Airbnb owners and real estate investors, it's a pretty complicated time of the year. Um, not necessarily a bad thing. There are a lot of uh, great ways to find tax advantages and deductions out there, but it is complicated. It takes a little bit of a little bit of brain power to distill everything down um, onto that. 1040 um, where it all ends. Mm -hmm. And I know we're working on it for ourselves right now just to make sure that our records are lined up for last year. But I'll start with my big takeaway for today. And that is to keep good records. Um, this is something that you should be doing anyway, even if there was no tax time. Um, keeping good rent, uh, records on your finances lets you know how your um, Airbnb portfolio is performing. 
So if you don't keep these records, you know, if you, if you keep these records only for taxes, you're missing out. Um, these are also going to be your performance metrics um, mm -hmm. to show how, how well your, your investment is, is performing. So I keep all the records for the short-term rentals that we have. I think they're pretty good. I mean, you've seen them, right? You know, the end of the year, it's a quick, I mean, I keep it in a, in, you know, simple spreadsheets. So at the end of the year, it's, um, it's just a pivot table and it kind of shows what, um, how much we spent on each category, uh, whether or not it is something that we could depreciate or write off or what have you. Yeah, so there's a separate conversation about how, how exactly to keep the records on what platform, but just keeping them um, and updating them regularly, not waiting until the very end of the year to go back and remember um, what you bought at Home Depot in February. So yeah. keep, keeping, um, keeping track and keeping things updated is going to make tax time much easier and make it less likely that you're going to forget about a deduction that's out there for you. I'm pretty um, militant about anything that we spend money on for the short-term rentals. Uh, you mentioned just that quick little receipt from Home Depot. Um, yeah, everything. I mean, I I just keep track. I mean, if it's supplies, because with short-term rentals, you're dealing with uh, toilet paper and paper towels and linens and, you know, fixing doorknobs and filling up the propane tank and, and you know, just a long list of things that maybe a typical uh, long-term renter doesn't have to worry about. Uh, cable, internet, all those things. I mean, like, and every so often I'll forget something. And, and that's why I still like paper bills. I mean, because I like the paper sent to me. Uh, I don't like it when people charge me $2 a month for paper bills. I'm not going to name names, but they're out there. Uh, and when that happens, um, I'm cheap enough to then, you know, get electronic bills for them. But, uh, you know, I, I love being able to see the records of where we're spending the money uh, so I can keep track of it. And, you know, at the end of the year, when it comes time to pay our taxes, we pay the fair amount, you know, so we're writing off things that, you know, qualify and we are depreciating, depreciating things that, you know, are a little bit longer, uh, longer term of something that, you know, we, we could take depreciation on and, and things that you can't write off, you know, you don't write off. I mean, but, you know, I think one of the benefits of having these short-term rentals is that the properties appreciate in value and you're able to depreciate things, you know, and take a depreciation each year, right? Yep. So I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but just with the, the, the moral of the story of keeping, keeping good records for short, these short-term rentals. Also, you want to be able to separate your business and personal uh, purchases that trip to home Depot. How many things in the, in the cart are attributable to the rental property? How many of them are personal pur purchases? What in that cart is a repair and what in that cart or supplies? These are different things that you may have to separate for your taxes. So keeping your everything updated regularly is going to make it so much better. I mean, I don't remember what I did last week. Most of the time, I don't know um, what I purchased at Lowe's in March. Um, so it's right. keep good records, keep them updated regularly. Um, it's going to make tax time so much better. You're going to be more accurate. Uh, you'll be, you'll, you'll catch your deductions um, and you're less likely to get into tax trouble. Let's take it one step back also and start kind of on the revenue side uh, because, you know, we mentioned uh, Airbnb and, and Verbo. There's plenty of other platforms also on which you could rent short-term rentals. Uh, and those, if they're going to, if those platforms are going to handle money, if they're, mm -hmm. if, if the guests are going to remit money to them and then they're going to send money to the landlord, uh, they're going to send a form at the end of the year, a tax form sometime at the end of January. What, what kind of, what is that? A 1099? Yeah, so they'll be sending you a 1099K. This is a, you know, this income is reported to the IRS. 
Um, but it's a nice, easy form. They've, they've kept track of it for you. Um, you still want to take a look at it to make sure it's accurate and it lines up with your records. But everyone in the platforms that transmit to you, uh, transmit automatic payments to you after the bookings, they're going to send a, a 1099K to you. Right. Um, same thing if you had a cupcake store and um, the credit card companies uh, were processing your sales for you. You'd get a 1099K. Yeah. This year, I even got one from, uh, from PayPal. And that was a weird one because I had I, I had this one guest uh, who for some reason like they couldn't make a payment on Verbo and I reached out to the platform and they suggested just taking the money separately. Um, so you know we decided to use PayPal for that because it was a secure uh, method to transfer the money and you know PayPal took a fee you know which mm-hmm. stunk but it did um, and at the end of the year they sent me a uh, a record that they transmitted the money to me so you know I have to make sure we account for that. Um, and when, so telling up your revenue, get, get your 1099Ks in order, make sure that you've received them from each of the input sources. And if for those transactions without an intermediary, uh, make sure you kept good records of those too, um, because that's the income that you'll have to report outside of the, outside of the 1099Ks. Yeah. Now the 1099K in some states, because we, we have one in Mass and one in New Hampshire, and the tax laws to the states are both different. Whereas uh, in Mass, they, no, in New I forget which one it is. In New Hampshire, we're remitting our own um, sales tax to the state, right? And then that's not shown on the forms that are sent to us. Uh, But like in Massachusetts, Airbnb sends all of the tax money that they collect. So that would not be money on my 1099K, right? If it's it's money that Airbnb is going to charge the guest tax, send it to the state, that's not considered revenue for me. Um, no, so if it's noted on the 1099K as such, but yes, regardless of how it's reported on the 1099K, the, um, the, the room tax that you paid to New Hampshire, the room tax that you paid to Massachusetts, mm-hmm. they're deductible off the top line of your income. So if we're paying it. If the, if the host is paying the taxes themselves, then that's going to be deductible, right? Ab- absolutely. Uh, so state and local taxes are a legitimate business expense, and that is an expense directly tied to the operation of the, um, of the Airbnb. Right. Okay. So, so revenue, we got the revenue side of it, you know, just keep good records as to who booked your place, take all the 1099 K's that are sent to you, um, write down any uh, direct payments that you're taking. You'll have how much revenue you brought in. Now we kind of got into the deductions already. We started talking about any, um, sales tax that you have to send over to the state. What are some other things that you could be deducting off of your income taxes from your short-term rentals each year? Um, so basically anything and everything that goes into the, the property itself. So keep the records of all the supplies, um, all the utilities, all of the, the cable, um, everything that goes there and make sure that they're categorized well. Some of the larger purchases and the larger um, repairs are going to be depreciable assets. So you'll need to keep those separate and schedule them out. I don't want to date this particular podcast because each year there are different mm-hmm. things eligible for bonus depreciation and that's a big, long political um, choice that the government makes every year. But you, so you may be able to um, instantly depreciate certain, certain things that you put into the property, but um, make sure that everything's well categorized um, in your system so that you can um, attribute it uh, correctly. You know, other things that you want to, you know, deduct that are not as readily apparent as the immediate supplies and utilities um, are, for example, your mileage. Um, we know that if you're an independent mm-hmm. contractor um, driving around for work, you can d- 
deduct your mileage. Well, the same is true um, for Airbnbs. Yes, this, for most people, this is going to be kind of on the margins and a relatively minor deduction, but it's something that if you keep good records and you track your mileage um, for your Airbnb purposes, it's all deductible. So driving up to check on the property, driving around to pick up supplies at, um, from local stores and uh, returning from the rental property, those may very well be um, deductible mileage. Uh, deductible mileage. For right. What, what if this is a room in your primary residence? We don't do that, but I know that's kind of how Airbnb was, was founded. Uh, it was, you know, renting out extra rooms that you have, or if you have a, um, accessory dwelling is that what's called? If you have a second property or second building, yes, yep. yeah, on your on your property. Um, so, what about that? You live there full time. You got this one bedroom. You get, you know, eighty renters a night from it, or eighty renters a year from it. So, like, this is in the broader category of um, prorations, just because a lot of Airbnb properties have multiple purposes. So, you're renting out portion of what you own, either in time or in space. Um, to to somebody else. So you do need to keep track of the prorations for mm-hmm. a, um, you know, if you're renting out a room in a property that you otherwise occupy the rest, just like a home office, you're going to take a look at the square footage that's dedicated to the room. Now, all of your operating expenses will be deductible 100%. So if you are paying if you're buying supplies that are specifically for the rental, the um, the cost of the platforms, the cost of the marketing, all of that's 100% deductible for that operation. But then your household expenses, um, you know, such as the heat and electricity, that's going to be prorated down to um, the generally the square footage of the the space that you're um, that you're renting out, and it also bifurcates the amount of your you know, your property taxes that you're deducting for personal reasons and the amount that you're deducting for um, business reasons. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and that leads into kind of the, probably the more common uh, situation where you have an Airbnb that you also use as a second home. You know, if you have the, the lake house or the beach house where you're, you also spend, um, you know, a few weeks a year and then you rented out the rest. Well, that portion that you're, you're using yourself isn't deductible. That's not a business expense. So the one other thing that you need to keep track of throughout the year are the days that are being used, you know, occupied by somebody else who's a paid guest, the number of nights that you're occupying it for personal use. And then interestingly, the number of nights that you're occupying it personally, but for maintenance reasons. So if you're visiting a property to go in and, you know, fix, just fix check, on the, check on the yeah. property uh, to make repairs. These have to be really, I mean, if you're up there for two weeks, you're not up there for two weeks just for maintenance reasons, unless you really are. But, you know, if you're there and you go up there to fix a plumbing issue, you can still go to the beach that day. Um, and it's, it's an appropriate maintenance day. But how that works in practice is they take the number of, they divide the use at the end. So they take the number of, um, you find the ratio of the number of nights that it was used um, for rental purposes and the number of nights that you use it for personal purposes. And those maintenance nights are excluded from the equation. So they're, they don't count against your, your personal threshold. And then you take that percentage, you know, say 85% of the usage was for rentals, and you um, prorate all the housing costs that are, you know, just general to the whole property and you deduct 85% of it. So the electricity, 85% of the electricity would be deductible and the other 15%, it's not deductible because you consumed it personally. Um, But in the end, that makes sense. But 
keep in mind those expenses that are truly for the, um, the, the, the rental, the photography, the advertising, the platform fees, those are still 100% deductible because it's all of that is attributable to the business. Right. Okay. What about some other things that you might not consider? Like, um, you know, we, we love bigger pockets. I have a membership on bigger pockets. I do networking on there. Uh, I network with other short-term rental, uh, owners. And I think I forget my tier. I think it's like 99 bucks a year. Um, but I've included that on, um, on deduction worksheets. Uh, I don't know if it's been deducted, <laughs> but I've included it, you know, because I, I figure networking and education is important. This episode sponsored by the IRS. Um, so what I would, um, keep in mind that your Airbnb is a business like any other. So all the other kind of um, expenses that you would use for business, they apply in this situation um, too. So think about, you know, we talked about mileage as kind of one of those expenses that might be forgotten by a number of Airbnb owners. Um, but think about loan interest. You know, of course you're going to be writing off the mortgage interest. That one people don't necessarily forget. But what about credit card interest? If you had to purchase furniture or something and you put it on a credit card or other type of loan, that interest is deductible. Um, it'll be easier to track if you have a separate credit card that you use for for the Airbnb business purposes. But that interest nevertheless is deductible um, because it's a, it's a business expense. You're paying interest on debt you incurred um, to run the business. And think about, you know, just like other businesses, if you travel uh, for a bona fide reason to um, go to an educational seminar or learn more or network um, for the purposes of growing your Airbnb network, that's deductible too. You know, if you have a property, if you live in Boston, have a property in Maine, but you fly to Las Vegas to go to Air, an Airbnb conference, well, that that trip is also going to be deductible just like um, any other business trip that you'd take for, for your cupcake business, which is always my standard comparison. Your cupcake uh, business. Is this something I don't know? Um, it doesn't make much money. <laughs> <laughs> I um, mean, you know, I, I, you bake more than I do. I don't bake that much. I do cook a lot though. So I guess it's plausible you have a cupcake business somewhere on the side. Do not. Nobody would, nobody would pay for that. Um, <laughs> Let me just do like, like, like lightning round things that maybe you know, you could kind of deduct off your taxes if you're an Airbnb owner, things that folks might not have known about, because we talk about this a lot with, uh, with folks in the real estate biz who also do short-term rentals. Um, we have some friends that also have some short-term rentals that are, are dipping their toe and starting to think about doing this. Um, and it's one thing I want to talk about with that, about putting our place in service during a certain year, which we'll get to in a second. But um, let's say that I had stationery made for one of the properties, you know, with a logo on it. Like, can I deduct that? So before I answer any of these, there's a disclaimer, talk to your tax person. I'm not, we're not giving you... So keep in mind as I answer these questions, just a general disclaimer, we're not giving anybody actual tax advice. You want to talk to your accountant. You want to talk to your tax professionals before you go ahead and do anything. But... What you've just outlined there is a legitimate marketing expense that you can be used on, um, you know, on your taxes for your Airbnb business, just the same. Okay, perfect. So stationary is fine. What about uh, if I have coffee and creamers and sweetener for my property? Can I deduct that? It's, if it's a supply that you're giving to your guests as part of the stay, uh, yes, mm -hmm. it's a supply. What happens if I am upgrading the furniture? So I have a bed uh, and a dresser that I bought new for the property. That may be a capital expenditure that you want to um, 
possibly depreciate over time. Uh, reference that year's tax standards and that year's depreciation um, standards, but that, that is a deductible expense, but it may need to be depreciated over time. Okay. Painting the house. Same. Um, that is an improvement um, that may need to be depreciated over time. Replace the toilets. Same. Uh, fees that you pay to Verbo for the subscription. Deductible that year um, as, um, as a marketing operating expense. Gas that I put into the car on the way up to one of the properties. Depends how you do treat your um, car for taxes. If you're doing actual expenses um, or mileage, you can pick one method or the other. What if you supply uh, Netflix for your guests? That's a utility. That's a utility? Netflix is? It's, it's or, I mean, perhaps the categorization might differ um, based on which account you're using, but that, that's a deductible expense if it's purchased um, as a provision for your guests. Right. Saying, okay, we have, you know, you could stream content here at the house and joy. And mm-hmm. what if you're uh, planting bulbs outside? That may be a depreciable expense over time. Tulip bulbs are depreciable. They're like a buck each. Check with that What's year's <laughs> no, I'm going I'm to hesitate to give like that precise um, of tax <laughs> advice because some of it does matter if it's purchased kind of to is to replace last year's bulbs or if it's part of a landscaping project. Um, right. There, there, there is a subtle difference um, that has to be done. You can't just do a great big um, landscaping project and call it supplies for that year. It's that was an actual undertaking that you that you. <laughs> We should have another episode where all I do is rapid fire throw things at you saying, is it depreciable? Can I write it off or, you know, am I SOL? Well, we may need to be joined by an accountant for that episode just so we can compare notes. Um, and then we'll answer every single one of these as it depends. Fair just, enough. Just to, just to be precise. Uh, before we wrap up, let me mention one thing about putting your place in service. You mentioned this to me after we got the first, very first place where, you know, I think we purchased what, September? Um, and we started taking rentals, I think it was that December, or at least we put it in service in December. What, what exactly does that mean? So that's um, a key component. So when you can start to um, deduct expenses on your taxes, uh, including starting the clock and depreciating assets, it really depends on when you place that asset in service. And placing something in service doesn't mean that you have somebody in, but when you first make the place available to rent, um, that's the tax year when you can first start to, to deduct um, against your income for, um, for the Airbnb. So if you are heading into December and you are anxious to get um, the contributions you made that year onto your taxes, you may want to consider placing it in service, getting that listing up, um, before the end of the calendar year uh, and actually placing it in service to start the clock. Conversely, if you do the math, you may want to hold off and wait until the new calendar year if you really want to kind of keep those deductions against any year where you're expected to have more income. So if, right. understand the concept. I don't want to give you advice as to when exactly you should place it into service, but you can start the deductions the, the year that you um, first make the space available. For most people, that'll mean when you first put the listing up. One last situation, let's say that you put it into service in February mm-hmm. and you purchased the previous year. All the work that you did on the place leading up to that, you know, you keep track of it, keep the receipts, keep it on a spreadsheet. Can you carry that over into the next tax year? 
So that'll be your initial basis. So everything that you've taken up until that time and first put into service, that will be your initial basis um, in the property. So you may not be able to separate particular projects um, and depreciate them separately, but yes, those those things that you those expenses that you took in the prior year, they're not lost. Got it. And through all of this, make sure that you consult with a tax attorney or a tax preparer or CPA who could probably give you a lot more specific information about this uh, because this is technically an entertainment podcast, isn't it? Yeah. But when it, yeah, when it comes down to taxes, um, be proactive instead of reactive. So talk to that tax professional um, the year before so that you can shape your decisions in your, your business um, to give you the maximum benefits. Otherwise, all you're doing is just taking a look at what actually happened and processing the numbers. Um, So you can be reactive for last year, but be proactive for this year and all future years. Sound advice. Thank you once again uh, to Rory Gill, uh, real estate attorney, real estate broker for Urban Village Legal, Next Home Title Town, real estate in Boston. Thanks for joining us today. Where else can we find you? So it's nexthometitletownrealestate.com. Nexthometitletownrealestate.com. Rory at nexthometitletown.com or they can reach me at urbanvillagelegal.com as well for, for your legal advice. Excellent. Or you're on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. We're easy to find. We'll put it in the I'm, show notes. I'm pretty easy to find. Yeah. Just look for Rory Go Boston. You'll find me. All right. Well, thank you, Rory Go Boston. Uh, thanks for everyone for listening. This is once again, uh, the Real Estate Law Podcast, and we'll look forward to talking to you again. Bye. This has been the Real Estate Law Podcast, because real estate is more than just pretty pictures, and law goes well beyond the paperwork and courtroom arguments. We're powered by Next Home Title Town, Greater Boston's progressive real estate brokerage. More at nexthometitletown.com. And Urban Village Legal, Massachusetts Real Estate Council, serving savvy property owners, lenders, and investors. More at urbanvillagelegal.com. Today's conversation was not legal advice, but we hope you found it entertaining and informative. Discover more at realestatelawpodcast.com. Thank you for listening.